Welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad, me, and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Owl, and I am here with... Hank Owl. Hank Owl. What's new in your world? Uh, end games in less than a week. My, it is a less I'm than shaking a week. shaking just thinking about it. <laughs> I guess technically the uh, what they call the opening date would be a week from today, though it's weird because there's shows before that. They yes. still, like if you look it up online, like the opening date will be, you know, a week from today, which is weird. So are you uh, not excited <laughs> excited, terribly excited, extremely excited. Extremely excited <laughs> would probably because it's just we're gonna start. We're rewatching the Marvel movies. We yeah, we can't fit in all of them though, can we? So how, what are we gonna do? We're watching. We're gonna do an intervals. We're watching Iron Man, The Avengers, Captain America: Civil War, which means we're uh, skipping Phase Two entirely. Are we doing none of Phase Two? None of Phase Two. Now, why did we choose to do that? I guess because we weren't interested in any. If we have time, maybe <laughs> what we could... Be a, what's a phase two... What are some phase two movies? Age of Ultron, Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man. Yeah, and we we both love Winter Soldier's... You know, I think it's your favorite Marvel movie so far. Yes. And it's one of mine. It's up there in the top one, two, or three for me. Oh, okay. Uh, this is another thing. We were at dinner uh, last night. And we were trying to see if we could name all the Marvel movies in order, and we did it. We got 100% Marvel movies in order. And ladies and gentlemen out there my, who might be wondering about the division of labor in that uh, answer, I think I helped with one of them. <laughs> this is mainly Hank nailing it. So nice job. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. What's new in your world? Uh, what's new in my world? Well, it is Easter weekend here in, uh, in well, I guess, and, uh, the owl, Western and, and civilization. In owl, Owl's <laughs> uh, Studio uh, East. Exactly. Uh, but it's also the Sweetwater 420 Music Fest. Now, this Music Fest has been going on for a while now. It used to be in Candler Park and very, very small, and you'd bring a kid and a frisbee and play around and hear a little bit of music. And now it's gigantic. It's in Centennial Olympic Park. It's three days. And I'm going to finally get to hear widespread panic for the first time in oh so many years, which is really nobody's fault but my own because they always play here, you know, a few shows New Year's Eve. Uh, sometimes, you know, they're back another time during the year. They're all, they're accessible. And I have just been lazy and cheap and, uh, those two things are not great. <laughs> Those two things will not get you to see a show. So I have finally, I have not been lazy nor cheap, and I'm going to get to see them on Sunday, and I'm pretty darn excited. Uh, so, Hank Al, what are we talking about in this episode? I think this is like almost the first time in a while or since our new Owls on Culture rebirth that we've talked about something that wasn't a movie. This is a nice thing to do, to mix in some other things. What are we talking about? We're talking about our trip to Philadelphia last weekend. Yes, so as you guys know, Philadelphia is a movie starring Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen did the soundtrack. No, that's right, it's a trip to Philadelphia. It's not the movie Philadelphia. And uh, so, yeah, so Hank and I went up to Philadelphia. Uh, my wife, Hank's mom, had a conference up there. 
and we went and tagged along and and had and had a really great time. At least I did. How about oh, you? Oh yeah, I I did too. Now this was a trip. I think because it kind of was back to back with our spring break trip that I didn't really plan for very well. And I'm a planner. I like <laughs> I like having like if I got a weekend trip, oh. I like knowing what's going on with each kind of like block of time, and I like researching meticulously what we're going to do, how we're going to get there. And it doesn't mean that we're going to be packed the whole time of like, you know, running and gunning and not being able to relax and enjoy it because I'll, I'll schedule in time to rest, time to do nothing. And the most of the stuff you schedule in will just, eh, more time to rest. Never. Absolutely <laughs> never. Never? Never. Never? Okay, not never. <laughs> Rarely. <laughs> like that happens a lot. It doesn't. It doesn't. When we're resting generally, or I could give options. You know, but my point is I have a very good grasp, a feel for where I'm going and what we're going to do there. And this time I did nothing. Well, uh, especially with the where we're going. What do you mean? Remember, uh, your directional oh, skills. My sense of, <laughs> I generally have a pretty good sense of direction. However, one day in particular, I don't remember which day, but it may have been just throughout the whole trip. The whole trip. Every time like I thought I knew where I was going, I'd say, All right, let's go. Let's go left. It'd be... It'd be wrong, and we'd go to the, have to go to the right. And that I remember, happened like I remember when we came five out five times. When we came out of this really, we were in Chinatown, and we came out of this really, really good restaurant, this hot pot restaurant, and we came out like, okay, well the bus, the bus gets off at the Friendship Gate, and if you had just looked the other way to see the gate, which was like. A yard away, a hundred yards away. Right, and 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 is and this incredibly large? Like you can't <laughs> miss it. Red, like you know, gate. And actually, so if you go to Pineco Turkey's Instagram, which you should totally do, and uh, you know, follow us on there, I'll post a picture of that gate, so you can fully understand exactly how ridiculous it was that I sent us in the wrong direction. Uh, anyway, so what, let's yes. Yeah, so my sense of direction. So I didn't plan very much. I did text my friend Karen Cisse, who was on the Origin Story podcast and is an actor here in Atlanta. She's been on Stranger Things and The Walking Dead, and she is from Philadelphia. And she gave us some uh, advice and guidance, which helped a lot. But uh, so I felt a little unprepared going into this trip. But but let's take let's take the kind of the highlights of what we did. And we got in late Thursday night. I couldn't sleep, so we slept late Friday morning. And just lounged about the hotel, which is fun and, and awesome to do. Well, we really kind of the first thing we did was go to lunch with your mom at the, that restaurant, right? Uh, yeah, so this hot pot restaurant. Something that was really interesting about this hot pot restaurant is basically you. the only thing you really ordered, besides like appetizers and little sides, was the hot pot like base. And then a, a, around the restaurant was this conveyor belt with just different things to put in your hot pot. And, of course, you would have to pay for the things you brought out later. Exactly. But, so like, you if you haven't been out. to a hot pot restaurant, it's like, uh, I think it started in you know Mongolia and China. And basically you have this broth. And you can, like Hank said, you can pick your choice of broth as broths. And then uh, decide what you're going to cook in that broth. You have a little like burner in front of you in the table. And you turn that on, and it keeps your broth boiling to hot. And then you can add stuff to it. And we had a really great waitress who helped us out because I haven't done a Chinese hot pot in not – I haven't done anyone like that kind of style. I've done some different little style. 
but so we did, you know, some Wagyu beef, which is what kind of they're known for. We did like assorted vegetables. We did assorted noodles. They had three different types of noodles. And we did basically the samplers of all those things. But tell the coolest part, and this is the part that kind of separates this restaurant from a lot of others. What was in the middle of the restaurant? A conveyor belt, yeah, which I already a, talked a ref- about. But yeah. yeah, but I, I was hoping you are going to go into more detail because oh, that's okay. kind of what separates this Chinese hot pot restaurant from other Chinese hot pot restaurants. All right, so the conveyor belt went around with almost anything, which kind of went around the restaurant and the tables were set around it. Which just had, and it went straight into the kitchen so people could just put things on it. And had almost anything you could imagine. It had quail eggs. And Chinese donuts, which were really good. And less, even like sausages. Yeah, a bunch of random cool things. And they you know, came from the kitchen. They couldn't conveyor around, and you can just slide through and, and grab one as you see fit and throw it in your broth. Hank, what broth did you get? I got. Um I don't remember. I think it was the tonkatsu miso. Oh, it was the tonkatsu. Which is yeah. kind of a ramen Japanese broth, but it was delicious. And more on the conveyor belt, the different plates that the things are on had different colors, and the colors coordinated to their price, which you could see at your table. Yeah, that makes w- it was, nice and handy. So you're not accidentally like buying what you thought was $15, so it's actually $50 of food. Of <laughs> food, exactly. So it was interesting because there was a little bit of stress involved in that, you know, we had a limited amount of time because we were meeting uh, Peggy and, uh, you know, we just didn't really know exactly where we were going, exactly what we were doing. And so that kind of thing can be stressful. But as soon as kind of we got the swing of it and got the hang of it, it became just a ton of fun and we enjoyed kind of sampling each other's things. And it was a lot of fun, a tons of fun. And what do we do after that? After I sent us in the wrong direction, but we eventually found the right direction. We went on the Philadelphia City bus tours, which go around basically the entire, or all the landmarks. Exactly. One of, of the, the hop city. off, hop off, hop on, hop on bus ha, tours ha, yeah. that, you know, most major cities have, ex- except for Atlanta, of course, because, you know, hey. We have birds, though. We, we have birds. We have birds. Um, so, and I, when I was a concierge in New York, uh, studying acting and then, then acting, I used to recommend these all the time, and they seem like they're not um, for the travel-savvy person, but I think it's they're a great way to start a trip. Even if you just stay on the entire time or go through like one loop, you get a nice overview of the city and can figure out where you want to go back to. Of course, the beauty of them is that you can hop on and hop off. And we did that, and I thought it was great. We had an excellent tour guide, right? Oh, yeah. We learned a ton about the city, which is nice. Um they're usually entertainment value also because they're usually pretty funny. They're used to being in front of crowds and entertaining people. Uh, I was very impressed with ours. Oh, yeah. The boat, the three that we had were all great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up leaving my glasses at the restaurant. You didn't do So after we went around the tour the whole time without without getting off, just so we could see all the landmarks and things, we went back to Chinatown at the same... Uh, well... Actually, we had to stop because that's when the bus ended. So we got off, and we actually ran into another bus, which we hopped on, and then that took us back to Chinatown. That's right. So these buses aren't just good for uh, the tour information and stopping at you know cool spots. 
But you can also, if it works out the timing right, you can actually use them for just transportation like we did. So the name of that restaurant, I don't know if I said it earlier, was the Chubby Cattle. Oh, yeah. Which the is Chubby a pretty Cattle. great name anyways. And they are there's one in Vegas and Denver and Dallas as well. Uh, so if you're in either of those cities, definitely check it out. It's a lot of fun and good. So, yeah, and they were nice because they didn't throw away your glasses that you left there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was good to, good to know and have. Um, tell me, uh, tell me uh, like, a fact that you learned on the, I'm putting you on the spot on this, on the, um, the building. <laughs> I mean, on the tour, the bus tour. Well, one, I didn't actually know that there was a real-life Rocky statue in oh, yeah? front of the museum. I didn't know that that was actually there. Okay. Which we did not take a picture in front of. No, we didn't. But we yeah, haven't we, seen Rocky. I mean, you haven't seen Rocky. Rocky's a good movie, but it means doesn't mean anything to me, really. Um, and we, we'll talk about Rocky a little bit some more when we talk about uh, what we did the next day. Or, yeah, now, the next day, actually. Um, so we got your glasses back, went back to the hotel. What did we do for dinner that night? I and mean, this is an example of like how, even though Philadelphia has amazing cultural museums, we really didn't hit that many of them. We just kind of relax and enjoy. And there's a dog barking, lots of dogs barking outside. If So if you hear those, hopefully they're not too annoying. Uh, we'll listen to it and see if we need to re-record, but hopefully it's not bothering you guys too much. It's driving me a little nuts, however. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we went to dinner at a place called Tequila's, which was you know really upscale Mexican restaurant. It was delicious. White tablecloth, oh, okay. Can I say something uh, beforehand, I got commented on this very much because I happened to be wearing an old-fashioned Braves jersey. That's right, number three. Philadelphia. Who was that? Who's number three? Mur- Murphy. That's right, Dale, Dale Murphy. Dale Murphy. So Dale back Murphy. in the day, the Braves. And you know, Philadelphia sports fans have the reputation of being very passionate, kind of jerky sometimes. It's a generalization, of course. Uh, but these people, the people who noticed it, were either like the one person. There's one per two one per two two people at the restaurant who work there was like basically making jokes like don't serve this kid exactly they were it was fun because they're really good hearted about it it was like the good kind of sports rivalry thing that that we like to see and the other person who we just uh pointed out on the street was like a Braves fan so he pointed it out in a good way exactly it's good to fly your colors sometimes uh, so yeah, so this place was called Tequila's. It was you know walking distance to the hotel. It rained a lot that day. We got rained on on the bus, which was a pain. But everybody kind of just you know hunkered down. You know, there are two story buses, so you can take the stairs down, and everybody just huddled together for the brief amount of time that it rained. And then we got soaked on the way to the restaurant, and kind of rained on on the way back as well. But the uh, the restaurant was delicious. The margaritas were amazing. They also had some tequilas. Uh, they were great. Um, and Hank out-ordered everyone by getting one of the specials. Do you remember what was on it? Uh, it was a crab cake. It was a crab cake and salmon. It was basically this, like the most amazing thing ever, where it was a crab cake with a salmon on top of it with like this really good sauce. Like It's not even really worth eating if you don't get that sauce. The sauce was amazing, and even sprinkled on top was a little bit of like a shrimp ceviche, which was delicious, too. The whole... The whole meal was amazing, but Peggy took a bite of Hank's. And was and she said, "She goes, oh my god, that's good." Well, <laughs> I she think doesn't really like, react like that. Oh my like god, that that's like the often. best thing I've ever tasted. Yeah, yeah, it's like something incredible. And then so then it was built up for me, and I was like, "Well, it's not going to live up now. It's been built up." But yeah, it lived up. It was delicious. And our dessert was this. Just it was called the Impossible Cake, 
which you guys should all get because it's just magic. It's basically your normal cake, your normal slice of cake. But the bottom half is is a chocolate cake, and the top half is uh. Top half was was uh, it's not panna cotta. It's uh, oh con leche. Flam. A flan. It was a flan. flan. That's flan. what it was. A yeah. flan. Flan. And it was delicious. It was absolutely delicious. We were stuffed, but it was it was fantastic. So that was kind of our that was our Friday. So of like a touristy things, we really only hopped on the bus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the thing was, we really that was did. The only tourist. But that was cool. We, we did doing. learn a lot about the bus. Can you uh, give me a fact or something that was cool about the bus? Or another one, if you can. Um, I don't think I. Uh, Where did the guy who invented Monopoly live? Oh, he lived in Atlantic City. Well, he well, lived no, in no, Philadelphia. He lived in Philadelphia, but he, but the streets were named in Atlantic City. Because that's where he went for his summers. His that's right. He summered Atlantic in Atlantic City. City. But weekends then, on like, the shore. The, like two of the railroads were. Exactly. So the railroads on Monopoly. places in Philadelphia. Yeah. One of them, like Short Line. I think all of them were. No, I always Redding. Said, Redding Railroad. Which I always had pronounced Reading because I just didn't know any better. But it is Redding. It's completely, it's Redding. It was Redding, Short Line. There was the, the two other ones that were Philadelphia as well. Uh, oh, I think we only saw two on the bus tours. The only two that we actually only out. saw those things. Yes, correct. But all four of them are is the way I understood it. But I could be wrong with that. So that was fun. But speaking of Reading Terminal, we had been told to go there uh, for at some point during the day during the trip. Did you have something you wanted to say? Another thing I learned was when we saw the Hard Rock Cafe guitar. Uh, the bus tour. You were out getting our tickets at that uh, time said that the Hard Rock Cafe guitar is the same size as the Penn statue. Which is atop City Hall? At the top of City Hall. Like, it doesn't look that... You remember how big the Hard Rock Cafe guitar well, is? Well, tell them. They can't see it. Uh, well, the Hard Rock Cafe guitar, look it up and just see a picture of it, but it's massive. It's, like, three of our houses. If our house was three stories, that's what it would be. So it's so so in uh, top the city hall. The city hall is gorgeous. Again, take a look at our Instagram. We got a picture there. And so atop of that is that thing that huge. It doesn't look that big because you know you're way down and it's way up. But it's it's pretty cool knowing that fact and being able to picture how tall that thing really is up top there. That's kind of cool. That is very interesting. Uh, so that's a Friday. So Saturday morning. We were Reading Railroad. We went to. Uh Let's do Saturday morning. We went to we went to we wanted to go to the library, correct? Oh yeah, we went to the huge and amazingly designed uh, library. Yeah, they called the Free Library, and it was beautiful. And we kind of went in there, not again, very little planning, but we had heard it mentioned on the tour, and so we were there. And I was kind of honestly a little underwhelmed, and I was like, "Cause Hank, you picked this to go to." And you pick this, and right around this library is things like the Philadelphia Museum of Art, the Franklin Institute of oh, so Science, which is like a natural history museum. I chose the wrong thing. And there's the Rodin Museum, which is near there. There's the uh, Barnes Foundation Museum, we ended which up is going to the Rodin tons museum, of though. impressionistic stuff. So in my mind, <laughs> as the dad, there's like, within walking distance, there's like eight cooler things to go to. <laughs> I wanted to little me wanted to go to the library, which is hilarious to me. Uh, but 
it turned out to be a great decision because we had an amazing time. However, when we got there, though, and you just walk in and you're like, yes, it's a beautiful, you know, old building. Oh, a little, do you remember the facts about who designed it? I'm not going to remember the gentleman's name, but do you remember the, the social significance of it? No. So <laughs> it was designed, and the Philadelphia Museum of Art and Duke University, it was designed oh, yeah, it was, by an African-American. Yeah, by, like, the first african-american architect and like he wasn't mentioned in the design at all that's right because the people the person who hired him or the guy who ran the firm knew that if they knew that an african-american had designed their building like they wouldn't keep hiring them they wouldn't be you know for it um so it's just another great example of uh united states history and racism uh so but a beautiful building but again wait i didn't know what we're going to do there so finally, I talked to a security guard. You were looking at some books. And I said, "Look, is there what you know? What's not to miss here?" And he said, "Go to the third floor to the rare book uh, manuscript area, and take a look there. There's like a little free museum kind of there you can look at." And so we did, and we got lucky enough that a tour had just left, so we kind of were able to kind of speed through and join like the last half of that tour. And uh, there was this very cool room that was locked, so if we didn't get the tour, we wouldn't have been able to go in it. That's right. So we had some debate about whether we should join the tour or not. And, you know, there's there's advantages to both. If you don't join a tour, then you can, you know, self-regulate and spend as much time on whatever you want to see. Uh, you know, it's up to you. And if you join the tour, then, you know, you kind of have to stay at their pace. But you also get the insight of the tour guide. And in this case, it was a good thing we joined the tour. One, because of that, there was this library room that was locked that we wouldn't have been able to get into. But also, the tour guide was fun and nice and smart and, and there's good. There's this one guy that was clearly like, he came there to like, I'm going to impress everyone with my knowledge. But then like, he kept getting like over-talked by like, the tour guide, which is what the tour guide's supposed to do. But he was just like, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think he bothered me as much as he bothered you. He just seemed no, to me, honestly, to be very me. smart. I think people who are into rare out. books are really into rare books, you know, and that kind of thing. I thought he had a lot of knowledge also. Oh, yeah. And, but the, it was, this room was basically supposed to be like a recreation of Charles Dickens' library. It was not. I don't think it was Charles Dickens' library. It was somebody's library they kind of sent intact. But the reason why you're thinking of Dickens is, one, it was somebody's Dickens collection that was brought there. Two, somebody had collected books that Dickens gave to other people or that were in his collection and tracked down these books. And there was lots of those. And one of the coolest things I thought was one of Charles Dickens' desks that he actually used to write with and he had carved his initials in. And I thought, I, I love seeing stuff like that. Yeah, that was really cool. Right? Um we also have seen a cool writer's desk at the Grove Park Inn oh, in Asheville, okay. North Carolina. The F. Scott Fitzgerald desk was cool also. Another thing that was cool that we were this is not inside the same room, was Charles Dickens' stuffed crow, which was a real crow that he had as a pet. But then... Was it a crow or a raven? I can't raven, remember. Raven, and I raven. don't even know the it difference. It was between, raven because... What it is the difference between those? It, it was the raven... And he wrote the one of his uh, the book characters that Charles Dickens wrote. I'm not going to be able to remember the name of it. It was and based off of that crow. But eventually, that crow, short story that crow ate lead paint and died. But he kept it as its uh, Charles Dickens kept it as his pet by stuffing it and then putting it back in the cage. That's right. 
I forgot the name. I'm trying to look it up here on the intranet really quickly. Uh, but so it was Grip. It was Grip, which he was in one of the that character. So he named. So he has this Raven that he loves. Names it Grip. Then he also Charles Dickens names a character in one of his novels Grip. Now, do you want to tell the? Do you remember the Edgar Allan Poe tie? I remember the Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe tie. Okay. So Edgar Allan Poe worked in Philadelphia, I think. As an editor, right? Yeah, he was doing writing and freelance editing and writing reviews for other books and trying to eke by a living as an artist. So Charles Dickens gives the book that I can't remember the name of with the character of Crim. I think Crim, it's Grip. Grip, with the character of Grip for Edgar, for Edgar Allan Poe to edit. And Edgar Allan Poe looks at this character, the Crow character... I don't think the the no, character the crow, itself is the, not a know, crow or a bird. I'm, okay, yeah, it's just character based name. off of the crow. Just the name. Okay. But okay, and it's like wow. I think, and then well, and that inspired him to write the no. It's a raven. Inspired him to write the Raven story that is so famous for Edgar Allan Poe. Right, that's the supposition, and it doesn't feel it, the way they delivered it. It didn't feel apocryphal. It feels like that actually might be you know the case. And Hank, when I was just trying to look up the name, you know where we didn't look up what we normally do? Like I said, we did no research. Uh, the article I found was in the Atlas Obscura. Uh, we didn't look at the Which Atlas we didn't even look at that. Obscura. Who knows what else was in there? That's, that's a fun book, y'all. And it's a website also. If you're going to someplace, do more preparation than we did. Buy the book. And, and look it always at has Atlas this Obscura. really cool... Obscura? I'm not saying that wrong, aren't I? Atlas Obscura. Okay. And it has just... It's like the back, not the backwoods, I would say, but the secret tour guide to America. Yeah, it's just got it's got random, interesting, off, maybe not off the beaten path, but just off the beaten, not normal things. Yeah, not yeah, not what you obscure would normally things. obscure things. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. That was that was really really awesome, and there was a hidden passageway in the thing. So okay. we got we got pictures there also. So yeah, head to Instagram. Take a look at those. Um, that was really fun. And then we met your mom for lunch at Reading Terminal. Now, Reading Terminal, I think it's probably a, a zoo on any day, but certainly a, a, a beautiful Saturday. It was crazy packed. And again, and maybe it's just us. I doubt that, though. I've, I've, I've seen other couples and families deal. <laughs> when you don't really have a plan, it's very easy to be incredibly stressed out. And uh, we were trying to relax and handle it, but we found ourselves just kind of in the middle of this place. People, you know, knocking into us. If finally, I just looked on my phone and just said, you know, top ten things to eat at Reading Terminal, and we went to uh, an, a really good sandwich shop, which was named by some kind of voting thing as the best sandwich in America. Yeah, I won that so one year. you can year. say you ate the best sandwich <laughs> yeah. in America. And it was a good sandwich. I don't know if I'd say it was the best sandwich, but it was a good sandwich. It was a, this roast pork thing. They had, like, provolone cheese at the bottom of it. It was uh, delicious. I had a... Uh, I ate the meatball sub, which was not named the best sandwich in America. But it was good, though, wasn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was really good. And, of course, the line is, you know, crazy, but you there's a line, and there's also, like, you can, you know, stand behind people stalking, you know, like at the uh, the counter. And we ended up having some really good luck. And once we actually sat down, you know, and I think we were also a little bit hangry, 
but once we sat down, we knew it was going to be fine. We're going to get our food. Everybody had a, a much better time, and we started being nice to each other again. Yeah. <laughs> not not being so nitpicky, which we all can tend to do, especially when we're hungry or stressed or we just feel uncomfortable, you know, and that's kind of where we were. Um, from there, we also got some ice cream there, which was delicious. Ice cream, and another thing that was on the top ten best were these, what were they called? Some what kind of... I think Philadelphia is known for them. Yeah, it's basically thing. like two kind of cakes in between. A happy something or a willow cake, happy cake. Hank, help me out. A something cake, but it's a mini cake <laughs> that kind of looks a little bit like a donut, but it doesn't taste like a donut. And you got the normal one. I got the red velvet flavored one, I and mom got the cookies and cream flavored one, and they were really good too. Philly cake. I'm looking, trying to look it up again here without wasting too much of y'all's time. All right, well, I'll basically start uh, talking. After that, we got back on the bus, and we ended up head. We were going to. We wanted to head to the Rocky Stairs, which I know there's like a big famous museum that has the Rocky Stairs. So we never went in the museum. We just climbed the rocky stairs and i'm so ashamed that that's the case <laughs> by the way but honestly we just didn't have like we, we would have taken i guess we could have gone in for an hour maybe and rushed through but you know the point of going to a museum like that is to be able to hang out and enjoy and absorb and spend a couple of hours and we couldn't do that because we were meeting some friends of mine that were coming down from a suburb of philadelphia at the rodan museum at the rodan museum so what did you uh what did you what do we do at the philadelphia museum of art if we didn't go inside well, we, I ran up and down the stairs a couple of times, and on the first time I did it, I was trying to do it as quickly as possible, and I ended up going up and down the rocky stairs in under a minute. Which is pretty darn good, because there, there's a lot of stairs. And the re- way I did it was I went two at a time. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And there was tons of people doing this, too. This is obviously a thing, and you had asked, and I don't know like if it was a thing before the movie Rocky, or not? My guess is it probably was. Oh, could you tell the camera story? Oh yeah, we learned this on the the bus as well. So if y'all have seen Rocky uh, or know of it, without seeing it, you know, there's this very famous scene where like his, his workout montage, and at the end of the workout montage, he's running down the streets of Philadelphia, and it culminates with him running up the stairs to the Philadelphia Museum of Art and dancing around. He's got a crowd of people around him who've been cheering him on, and it's pretty amazing. Well, the inventor of the Steadicam. Which is a uh, you know it's a camera holding device that allows you to move around and even though you wearing it as a person are moving up and down like upstairs and things like that, it holds the camera still. It kind of makes it glide, so it's not herky and jerky. So the person who invented this wanted to show it off to people and try to get people to use it. So he filmed his girlfriend running up the stairs to the Philadelphia Museum of Art. So. He records this. He sends the footage out to every production company he can. And it turns out that Sylvester Stallone and his producers see it and think, oh, my gosh, this is going to be amazing culmination to this, you know, fighting montage, this training montage. Excuse me. So they hire him, not only his camera, but him to run it. And so he is the one who actually filmed that. And, of course, it looks amazing. It's cinematic history. And it's changed, you know, the city of Philadelphia. You know, they've completely embraced it. So much so that, well, you know, there's even the statue. Now, where did, do you remember where the statue came from? The statue came from, the statue was actually from the story of Rocky Three. That's right. It was a prop. It was a prop, which they originally was in front of the museum. 
and was basically to show Rocky as this like Philadelphia icon from like the mayor. Yeah, he was like but like then, the the king of the city. But then uh I think they just kept it, right? Or yeah, Sylvester so they kept it, they moved it around. Sylvester he donated Stallone, it. Yeah, donated it to the museum and they put it to the side of the museum. And now it's there for tourists to make huge lines. And, and it was the uh, was it? It's the most photographed thing in it's Philadelphia. The most I think photographed thing in Philadelphia, which is kind of interesting. You know that this Philadelphia, this land of, I mean, this city with a just you know obviously a ton of American history and Revolutionary War history. The most photographed thing is a prop from a fictional movie. I think the both Rocky Three. Oh, actually, I think the top two were the Rocky Steps and the Rocky Statue. That, that's that's interesting to me. So we did. We did go to the Rodin Museum, which is, you know, they have built this Benjamin Franklin Parkway, designed it, you know, in the 1920s or 1910s. And the idea is it's based off the Champs-Élysées in Paris, the main kind of a main thoroughfare here. And it is their cultural center. So there's all these museums and galleries uh, right on this one little kind of beautiful stretch of greenway and, and road. And so we walked to the Rodin Museum. Now, I'm, I, I love this place. And I, the first time I went to Philadelphia, I hung out here there a long time and just really soaked it up and enjoyed it. Um, it's just cool. There's more Rodin sculptures there than anywhere else in the world except for Paris, which makes sense. One thing I noticed, especially while walking in, we were with uh, your friend from college, was, man, this guy really liked carving naked people. <laughs> <laughs> Just the human body in all its beautiful form? Yes, indeed. Yes, You're absolutely it makes me, right. makes me question. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was fun. And so we walked with them, you know, it was, and we ended up going to the oldest tavern in Philadelphia history. And I've forgotten the name of it. I think it's... I think it's Mc- Are we sure about that? Or is that like the bushwhacker thing in Florida? <laughs> I, think, I think this is not urban legend. I think this is a proven thing. I think it's a, a Magellan's or something like that. I don't remember, but it was fine. We needed to. We had walked a while, so we needed to sit down, and it had that good kind of old time feel and it was in city center, and you know, felt like an urban old pub should feel like, and was a lot of fun. And that was kind of that was kind of our Saturday. So again, short on, got a little more culture in, I guess, with the Rodin Museum and the the oh, library. Yeah, we ate our great Philadelphia dinner at Friday's. We, we didn't go to Friday's, but we did go to another oh. chain restaurant called, uh, uh, oh, I think, City Tap Room. And the reason why is they had a kid's menu, and uh, it was close to the hotel, and we were exhausted. So not, not every meal no, has to be special. The kid's menu not for me, for the, peop- the other people's kids. That's right. Good clarification Child. on that. And it's been a long time since you've ordered off the kid's menu. Our, our wallet is sad to say. <laughs> um, but it was fine. The food was good. The beer was cold. It was great. Uh, so that was kind of Saturday. So Sunday's our last day. Oh no! Well, I went to the we went to the gym. Right, we did. We did. We do. We did a little late night workout late at night, so we did enjoy some hotel amenities as well. Um, yeah, that was kind of the last thing we did before bed. Was <laughs> worked out, <laughs> had a big dinner, then then hit the gym. Yeah. Late at night. Um, anything else to mention for Saturday then? Uh, I don't think so. All right, cool. So wait, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So our last day, Sunday. We hadn't had a cheesesteak yet, so and that kind of you know feels like you know something you should do in Philadelphia. So we did go to a cheesesteak place. Which one did we go to, Hank? 
We went to Jim's uh, Steaks. Jim's, and there's several famous ones, and of course, there's you know, there's Gino's is one of them. This was uh, outside of Jim's was clearly was the longest line we had been in. Yeah, it then. was it was not a horribly long line. It went no, it wasn't fairly fast. Um, and we so there's there's options when you get a cheesesteak uh, in Philadelphia, so you can get it. First of all, you have to determine what type of cheese you want. And there's three, three choices. There's American, provolone, or cheese whiz. And we each got one of those. You got provolone, I got American, and Mom got cheese whiz. And the other option is whether you're going to have it with you know, grilled or sautéed onions or not. I chose with. What would you do? I chose without, and my sandwich clearly suffered from the lack of onions. Okay. And your mom chose with onions as well. So who won? We all, of course, you know, tried each other's. Mom Philly definitely cheese. won. By far, the cheese whiz and the onions is the way to go, people. Um, but the bread is amazing. It's those Amarosa rolls, and I'm pretty sure that's the rolls that was used on that sandwich at Reading Terminal too. Because I forgot to mention how that that pork sandwich was really good. But one of the reasons why it was really good is the bread was heavenly, and I presume it was the same type of bread, but maybe maybe it wasn't. So we did the cheesesteak thing, and then it's raining a little bit. So we agree if you go. You know, Jim's is a good choice. I'm sure they're all pretty good. Uh, but do the cheese whiz and the onions. So then we're walking, and we decided we had a choice. We were kind of thinking about going to Eastern State Penitentiary. And, w- and what is that? Tell the folks. Eastern State Penitentiary is this very, very, very old uh, prison, which is actually the inspiration from the prison from Shawshank Redemption. That's right, Shawshank Redemption. It's re- it looks like it's old castle, just like Shawshank does in the movie. Yeah, and we wanted to, I wanted to go in that, but then we were going to see the Liberty Bell. Yeah, well, we wanted to go to Constitutional Hall, which is, you know, a federally run uh, building and, you know, where the Constitutional Convention was held. That's where the Capitol used to be, I believe. Um, Now, that's something you do need to purchase tickets for in advance. We did not do that. So we walked along the outside of it, then we saw the Liberty Bell. We could have gone into the Liberty Bell and done that, but I've done that before, and I honestly was very underwhelmed when I did that. Plus, they have a nice setting for it now, so you can actually be outside and look through the glass and see it pretty well from the outside and not having to wait in the incredibly long line and go through the building. So I was fine with that as well. But then we ended up doing one thing, kind of spur of the moment. We were, again, we were trying to decide what to do. We were even thinking about going back to the hotel because we were tired. Uh, but we ended up going to the Constitutional Museum. Is that what it was called? Yeah, the Constitution Museum. Tell them about that, because I thought that was fantastic. Well, first we saw this introductory movie, which showed the... Well, it's not just a movie, right? Introductory uh, presentation with visual, with uh, movie-like visuals. And an and, actor. And, and an actor. <laughs> I was trying to get the live actor element in. Okay. I was trying to get you to bring out... <laughs> Uh, and it showed the normal story of the revolution and the Constitution being held. I will not debate on whether how true uh, that may be. How true what may be? Uh, the, or, uh, how much of the full story it was and the patriotism and... Right, so it's the first uh, country to ever do this freedomy freedom. Well, it's our country talking about 
our, our country. country. So, so, you know, it's going to be, they did, they gave two kind of mentions and nods to things that are dear to our heart, of course, the weird Cherokee. So they did give a half sentence to, there were people here for thousands of years before the Europeans came. <laughs> they did kind of mention that, which sometimes people just don't even mention. <laughs> like oh, like in that book we wooden. saw in oh, yeah. the gift shop. Exactly. Which uh, uh, so all things Americans should know. I'm not going to say don't get the book, but maybe look into the stuff before you get the book. Don't base everything yeah, on to that check book. Out. And then, of course, but when it, we're talking about American history and we're talking about, you know, freedom for all and all men are created equal, of course, we, you know, but can you got to mention slavery. Can I tell you the, uh, but, but it showed where did Mount Rushmore really come from? Had there not a single mention of it being a Native American sacred land. Yeah, the, exactly. The whole, Mount Rushmore is horrible. If you actually really look into the history of that, it's really... Wait, which one do you think is worse? The, the stone mountain carvings or the... Well, they're, they're different things. They're di- I know. Different types of things, and we'll talk about that on another another podcast, maybe. Um, so, but the museum itself, so there was this 3D theater. theater the actor gives a presentation. There's cool visuals. Uh, there's no air conditioning, though, so it's really <laughs> warm, and that's why we got in for half price. Uh, they were doing some duct work, so it wasn't air conditioned. But then you leave the theater from the... You go to up top... And there's this, basically, it is American history, all of it, laid out in incredibly cool, like interactive uh, exhibits. Like, it, it, is, it is flat out awesome. And if, it, if we had more time and more air conditioning, <laughs> I could have spent hours and hours and hours there. And they do talk about all kinds of the positives and the negatives involved in, you know, our American history, which is what it should be. We shouldn't be glossing over... Our, our history because it is our history uh, so I would highly recommend doing that and going and having hopefully enough time to really enjoy it uh, another exhibit which was very cool because of course were Hamilton heads you would say was they had a Hamilton exhibit there they did indeed and this was really cool uh, it was small but like there was so much information there talking about the you know some of the myths that Hamilton the musical Made which I things, bought a book about, and I'm so excited for you to read that and and share that that information with all of us. Um, and you could, it was just great. It was just really really neat. It's a you know it's a recent exhibit. I'm sure they're trying to capitalize on the uh, the success of the musical. But go team, they should be. Uh, Hamilton's a fascinating person, and whole, everybody involved. It was neat. Very very cool. Uh, just a cool museum, and I felt like we earned our cultural street cred. In our historical street, because otherwise we hadn't done much of the uh, the Revolutionary War stuff. No. Uh, what did you think? They had one room where they had life-size statues of all the people who signed the Constitution. I thought that was kind of cool well, too. Yeah, that was that was that was pretty pretty crazy. And it made you appreciate Still how old the different names and like it's so crazy how like being American like oh, I knew five of the people that were in that room. Yeah, well, you've never, I mean, I mean, again, you're in the sixth grade, so I, pretty soon you're going to be having a very, I think it's ninth or tenth, where you have a really hardcore American history class. And when you do, I guess either before or after it, or during, I'm not sure when the timing would be to head back to Philadelphia. I think that would be very, very cool. And what just, and this is a Rick Steves thing, you know, the guy who does Europe and all these TV shows about how to, you know, travel to Europe. 
one of the his recommendations is never visit a place thinking it's the last time you're going to be there. I mean, I guess, I guess, unless you know that it's the last time you're going to be there. So then even though we didn't get to do the Eastern State Penitentiary, even though we didn't get tickets to the uh, Constitutional conv- call, the Hall itself, you know, we didn't stress out about it. We found something else great to do, and we can always go back there. In fact, I would love to go back there because I really thought Philadelphia was a pretty great town. Uh, Hank, anything else to kind of finish up? We're kind of running long here on this one um, before we shut down Philadelphia. I I don't think so. I think we covered almost everything we did. All right. What are you reading these days, buddy? Uh, I was almost going to ask, oh, we forgot our ratings. How are we going to rate this? <laughs> are we going to rate the movie Philadelphia? No. <laughs> uh, I'm reading, so I got another book assigned for my uh, uh, ALA class, or language arts class, uh, called The Rocket Boys. It's a memoir by this guy... Uh, it took, takes place in the 50s. It's just really cool. It's, it's, I feel like it's a very good... Like It takes place in this town called Colwood, which is a mining town. And I feel like it's a very good like picture of history. Cool. So you're liking it so far? Like Even with like the way of writing, as it talks about... like uh, As it mentions of Native Americans, and of course there was like a whole nother, like mining town uh where the like where uh african-american people were and just it's very cool to see that part of history all right good so you so you are enjoying it yeah it was very very slow start because for some reason the history of a mining town is not the most interesting thing in the world or or at least it was not presented that way to you in this book yes uh, so I'm just finished uh, a Murakami book, 1Q84, or 1Q84, I'm not sure how to say that, but uh, I loved it. It was it took me a long time to read, it was pretty long, but I really, really liked it. I like Murakami a lot. This is the second book of his that I've read, fiction book, and I'm currently reading now his kind of memoir on running and writing called What I Talk About so we're both reading When memoirs. We Talk About uh, Running. Yeah, we're both. Well, you say it again. We're both reading memoirs. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, memoirs, exciting. Uh, so I'm really enjoying it so far. Uh, it's yeah, yeah. I'm just digging it. I like Murakami a lot. Very interesting, cool person, and his books are are awesome. All right, man. So I think that does it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hank Owl, a pleasure as always. Uh, anything to say before we before we wind up? Uh, no. All right, until we meet again, guys. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Sersier and Antoine Blanc. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com. We can the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the flock email. Twice a month newsletter If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes.